there are drummers, and then there is Sarah Tomek. With the rumbling authority of a John Bonham of Led Zeppelin, and the razor precision of Larry Mullen Jr. from U2, she has become one of the most in-demand drummers in rock and roll today. Sarah is currently playing for Steven Tyler's backup band, Gretchen Wilson, but her main gig is with the fast-rising Americana band Loving Mary, who is absolutely a fantastic group, and they're actually doing a benefit for Black Lives Matter this coming Wednesday, so check that out. Um, Sarah Tomek commands a front row seat in the new class of top-tier drummers in the world, and not only that, but she's an amazing person, so funny, so personable, what else can you want? Everywhere, everywhere she's been in the front row of some of the greatest gigs in rock and roll, and she's always smiling, she always has passion for what she's doing, and it just comes across. Sarah comes from New Jersey, where she was born, and her story is really, really something else. We are pleased to welcome her to the J-Rock Concerts Podcast. We hope you enjoy it, guys. And since I have you here, I want to thank you all for subscribing. Thank you all for rating the podcast and for all the nice messages you sent me via social media and email. We really appreciate it. Um, and if you haven't subscribed, you're obviously welcome to do so. And while you're there, if you want to rate the podcast five stars, you will do us a big solid. But without much further ado, this is Sarah Tomek. <laughs> Hey, Sarah. Hello. Can you see me? Can you hear me? I can see and hear you. Perfect. I can't see me. Hold on a second. No problem. <laughs> These things. I know. Technology. Start video. Ugh. There we ah, go. There she is. Hi. Hey, Sarah. How you doing? Good. How are you? It's been a crazy, uh, crazy week all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like, you know, some things are slowly moving. I, I, I've noticed. So people like are getting busier with like normal stuff. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, uh, Tennessee is already in phase two. So um, restaurants are open and it's, it's just they open gyms. Yeah. Wow. Gyms. Okay. Interesting. It's confusing to like what what you're supposed to do sometimes it's, it's a very weird time it's a very weird time sarah so thank you so much for your time you are one of, you're one of the most in-demand drummers right now in <laughs> rock and roll and country and um so and we know you're busy so many projects so we certainly certainly appreciate your time sarah thank oh, you you so you know obviously you want to talk a, a, about a bunch of stuff with you want to finish up with you know with your with uh, them vibes the new ep one of the loving mary band with so many things but first of all i would like to start you know how have the past you know three months been for you since early march what's what have they been like for sarah tomek it's been uh, it's been kind of like up and down i think a roller coaster as it would be for any musician we were still doing live streams full band with Maggie Rose and then vibes in March. And then we stopped that sometime around the 20th. So it's just been really odd to not play full band electric with your mates in three months. Uh, we're doing one tonight actually from a studio in Nashville. Um, and it's going to be super cool. So we're, it's just like, it's electricity now that we're all like together again. It feels so good. But the last three months have been just kind of uh 
been a little sad. I mean, our industry and the city in itself, like we got hit by the tornadoes in early March and then yes. this. And everybody in Nashville, if they're not a musician, then they're like, you know, some kind of gig worker, whether it's catering or bartending and all those jobs have gone away. So it's just, it's just like trying to see your way through it. And we've been really lucky. Uh, our friends, actually, uh, Marty Fredrickson in Loving Mary, who also is a pro major producer, singer, songwriter. He does too much. He gave us uh, a Pro Tools rig. And our other friend, uh, Jose, gave us his uh, Personas board. We're using that as a, a preamp. And then Lewitt Microphones gave us uh, drum microphones. Ah. We have set up a home studio. So we, were, we started tracking like late, late April and it's been awesome. So that really has kept me and, and my husband's head above water, digging into Pro Tools and doing some session stuff. Wow. Uh, so we feel a lot better than in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And you mentioned that you saw the band recently in person for the first time in a while, right? Yeah, we, uh, we've been in person two days. How was that like? It, it's just everybody's so happy, you know, and everybody, you just can feel the way that they're feeling the songs is just different. Like there's a, there's a tone of excitement and just a new electricity about everything because we've been away from it for so long. We've been away from each other and not playing live music and all the things that come with that, you know, I think everybody's just, yeah. Just and it sounds it sounds pretty good if I if I can say so myself. I bet I bet absolutely you have all these pent up, you know everything. That's all. That's great, Sarah. That's great. So, you know, Sarah, you have a unique background. Um, if you don't mind, let me just go back to the to, to the genesis of your story. You grew up in Asbury Park. Yeah. Ob obviously, better known uh, as the home place of a of a certain Mister Mister Bruce Springsteen. Uh, how was it growing up in a place, you know, that to rock fans around the world is mythological, if you will? Um, it was just home for, for me, you know, um, playing the Stone Pony when I was, God, I played, I played the Pony stage on, when, as a bass player when I was like 15 or 16. And the Saint and all those OG clubs that have been there forever and even like rewinding when I was a six years old on the beach and there's Springsteen in his Cadillac. And that's like when, you know, in the late eighties, you know, it's like, it was a kind of more of a dangerous spot. And you would always see him everywhere. My mom, one time she made me go up and kiss him and I cried because I love Springsteen so much and I was so nervous, but there he was and he was hanging out. And then I, you know, followed in my father's footsteps and, you know, being in Asbury Park, it's just, it was a music and arts epicenter. And uh, I was really lucky to cut my teeth there, you know, and playing those clubs when I was underage. <laughs> um, it just kind of made me who I am. And it's funny, it's like my, the band that came from Asbury Park, Days Awake was my first band. And we just did a track. That's the one you did with Eric Safka, right? Yes, yes. So we tracked uh, for the first time in 13 years. So that's kind of cool. We did that this month. That's um, awesome. Yeah, you can't beat Asbury Park. Uh, I feel like a tourist now when I go home, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of cool moving from, they call it where music, where music lives, the city where music lives, to Music City, Nashville. So 
all it's all music. It's all music, yeah. man. I, I love it. I love it. And okay, you you mentioned your dad. We 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 gotta we gotta touch on that. Your dad, of course, you know, aka Joe Bob, known to the nineteen seventies New York rock scene. Um, you know, most most of our parents, you know, they have a normal job, blue collar, white collar. How does it feel like when your dad is playing in that 1970s, you know, New York Dolls, Kiss, yeah. rock scene of New York? Is it like, does he come home for dinner? Like, honey, dinner served. Like, how does that work? Well, that was a little before I was born. But that guy, you know, I, it was, I was growing up in bars. And I just remember being a kid and going to his sound check or something, you know. And it was like the smell of beer and pretzels. And, <laughs> Like seeing my dad and as a little kid, like he would wink at me or smile from stage and I'd get all nervous, you know, and it was just, he was just a rock and roller and what a cool history living in the record plant in New York City in the 70s. And he did the double fantasy pre-production work, his band did that. Um, and they were just badass. And I just hoped that one day I could be as good as him, you know. Badass, right? I mean, he was going to go tour with John Lennon, right? Uh, a couple of weeks before his unfortunate assassination. He was, uh, yeah, there was a possibility of him being the, the touring drummer, you know. They were together at the record plant, and, uh, yeah, he was, he was killed. Unbelievable. But, so, Sarah, obviously you have this rock DNA, like, entrenched in your genes that is really, really awesome. I can just feel it across the screen. It's really cool. <laughs> um, there's this story, urban legend, if you will, that you as a, as, a baby, as a baby in your diapers, you basically were watching, like, a Doobie Brothers concert or something, and you pretty much would like block out all the noise, including your mother, Kiki. Like, is this a true, is this, can you clarify? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, pay-per-view was a thing. So you would buy to watch live, live concerts and it was the Doobie Brothers and it was a drum solo. And I was walking around like in my diaper and then the drum solo started and then I just stopped. My mom said like, I had my fingers in my mouth and I was just staring at the screen and she was like, Sarah, Sarah. And then no response. I was just, Epic. And she's like, oh, shit. You know, <laughs> she, knew, she knew right then and there that uh, I was following in my, my daddy's footsteps. That's great. That's great, Sarah. Okay, so I want to move on to your career a bit. Uh, but first, to someone who is not a drummer or who is not in the industry finding out about you, how would you describe your drum ID? Um, God, that's a good question. <laughs> My husband's in the background. He goes, powerful. <laughs> um, I would hope so. Uh, I, 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 uh, I want to feel, be the comfort for a band. I want to have a nice pocket. They always feel comfortable. And yeah, I guess I'll take the, his words. Powerful is a cool word. That's a great I'll word, yeah. That's good. Okay, and okay. So you, when you were in your early twenties, you basically began making waves. Things started to happen as a session player. Do you have maybe like a moment in time uh, where you feel like like a big break, like uh, that destiny interceded, that like oh man, like everything just aligned for a specific gig or something? Yeah, it was uh, 2014. I was playing. Um, this is crazy. Well. So many times this happened. It was 2012. Mind you, I had known Maggie Rose or known of her years ago. Um, she was 19. She opened for our band at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park. She was there writing with, with somebody that we were working with. And they were like, hey, can this girl pop up on stage and play with you? 
Fast forward five years later, I'm down in Florida. I'm playing with, uh, her name is B.B. Buell. I was playing with her and Maggie's old business partner was there. He's like, Sarah Tomek? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you remember Maggie Rose? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I need you to come to Nashville and audition to be in her band. And you didn't know this guy. Just, just, he just walked like, right up. Yeah, yeah. He was like, but I was like, okay, sure, guy. And at that point, I was living in Asbury and I was playing in New York City, you know, the New York City circuit at night and working mm -hmm. at day and that's when it happened and they flew me to nashville i auditioned for james stroud and scott simon what song did you play i played two maggie rose songs it was falling madly in love with you and i think i ain't your mama which was her first mm. single mm -hmm. and then scott simon big manager was, was managing her at the time he, he's worked with like tim mcgraw he's yeah. a mom and he's like do you want to go out for a glass of wine and i was like i got the gig <laughs> you know i knew it and in two weeks, I had to move my entire life to Nashville. And uh, we were a month later in rehearsals and on a tour bus. And we did like 180 dates, I think, in, in eight months. It was wow. crazy. Wow. So, I mean, there's so many questions that I want to unpack there. Like, okay, let's start with that last part. 180 dates in eight months. That's basically a show every three, four days. Tops, tops, yeah. tops. Radio um, show. Crazy. Yeah. Does the road start to feel weird? Like, do the shows start bl like blurring in or like, like tell us like to, to those that are not artists, like how does that feel like? What's that experience? Like? Yeah. I'm always like, what? And Maggie, Maggie's got an elephant. She was like, oh no, that was like in Topeka, Kansas, like 2015. And I was like, what? Um, they do, they do start to blur. Um, I started keeping a tour journal when I went on the road with them vibes when we toured Europe for a month. And yeah. that, it's I, I should start doing that again because when you're you just want to experience it you want to live in the moment and then you know you want to be able to share these stories with friends and family or, or babies one day and and uh, I they do tend to blur <laughs> when you're when you're moving so fast yeah um, so yeah it, it does I, I guess I need to start that tour book again I bet. I bet. There you go. And okay, so, so you, you jumped genres, country, rock, Dem Vibes, by the way, Dem Vibes. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a great, I mean, of course, Loving Mary, all of them are great, but Dem Vibes has just such a crisp sound. It's so well produced. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, really awesome. I was just jamming to, um, to Power Collide and Can You Dig It like earlier in the research. Really well produced tunes. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I wanted to ask you the recording process, right? When it comes to rock and roll or country, what are some of the main differences right now when everything is so digital? Well, I'll just start with them vibes because Electric Fever and this last EP was done by Bobby Holland, and then they and then Bobby did Maggie's Cut to Impress record all live, and and that's really the feeling of that just rock and roll, just just honest. There's like an honesty behind it, and I think that's really what Ben Vibes and Maggie captured in the last in their last three releases. Um, I think it's a little different than say country in, you know, these are real sounds. We caught them in the in the room with microphones with everybody together, and that was what went onto the record. And a lot of these country records, you know, the drums are all replaced, and you're using plug eight plugins for a snare drum, and things are shifted to the grid, so everything's in perfect time. You don't get that swag and that kind of that feeling that rock and roll that I want rock and roll or music yeah. to give. Like there should be imperfections and that kind of makes your, your ear tweak and it's it's honest and that's real. I think that's that's why I started playing music. You know, it's it's um, it's 
it's just getting your emotion out. And sometimes with, with country, the country format, and not all of it, but a lot of the radio stuff is, it's too perfect. It's too digitized. Everything's tuned. The vocals don't need to be tuned and things like that. So I think that's the difference mainly. That's interesting. I was uh, last week. I talked to Mark Goodman, the original MTV VJ, and he's in Sirius XM now. He he brought a, a point. I wonder if you agree. Uh, he said uh, uh, we were talking about how rock is basically how I thought maybe was dying or what's going on, and he mentioned country as now carrying the spirit of rock and roll. He mentioned uh, people like Butch Walker or um, yeah or um, Jason Isbell, who are you know this is like what rock and roll stood for like 20 years ago. Do you agree with this? I don't know if I would say the country format. I believe that's more like Americana. I think the country mm. format is kind of in an identity crisis right now. Okay. But, but like that, but yeah, that roots music is real country, but they, they're calling Americana. So the Margot Prices, the Jason Isbells, the, even the Brandy Carlisles, all that kind of stuff that, yeah. that me like the Loretta Lynn's, all that stuff. It wasn't, it, you know, con countries become more pop, and like rap <laughs> i'm very confused by it but uh yeah but yeah americana has brought that all that roots stuff is coming back in and um i'm very happy to see that for sure yeah that's for sure sarah and i have to ask you uh just seeing look every video that i saw of every you know of all the bands you've played there's something that always sticks out, just a parallel, and it's your amazing energy, your peak state. You're always smiling, like you're having the most fun in there. So I just wanted to ask you, like, how do you always are in such a great peak state? Like, what's your secret, man? You're, you're always just blurs into the screen. play drums for a living. I never thought I'd be able to do this. I'm like in the one percentile luckiest musicians, you know? It's a, there's very few of us that get to make a, a, you know, a livelihood out of this. And uh, it's funny, like, I do smile. I'm so happy. And when I would play with Steven Tyler, he would be like, stop smiling. I want you to look angry, angry. <laughs> you know, because I'm just like. Uh, yeah. You always would want me to, like, not smile as much. But right. you play with me. But that, that's funny that you bring that up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sarah, you've been so awesome with your time. I want to ask you a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you about your collaboration with Steven Tyler. Uh, just very quickly, you know, how did it start? How did it come about? And, uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about that. That was the second time magic happened for me. Um, I was playing in a rock club. Actually, it was, it was a little, little club on the side of, a, of an old Irish bar, uh, Music Circle, Music Row. And I play with my buddies in the Rock and Roll Residency. And they do, like, more B-side rock and rolls, kind of like, like B-side of anything from maybe the late 60s to the, through the 70s. And they knew I was a huge Aerosmith fan. I was a huge Aerosmith fan growing up. And, you know, if, if ever they wanted to do an Aerosmith cover, they would call me. So they wanted to do Lord of the Thighs. Mm. And I had, that earlier that day, I had recorded my first time that I ever got to play drums for Maggie. It was in Marty Fredrickson's studio. And we recorded the track there, and I didn't meet him then. And then we went out for drinks and I was like, hey, let's go out. And then I'm going to go down here and sit in. And I'm going to go play this, this Aerosmith song with my buds. So Maggie and, and Dallas Davidson, the producers, they all came. And I got up and I played. And as soon as I got off the stage, there was Marty Fredrickson. And he was like, hi. And then, you know, and I'm like, I know who you are. And he's like, uh, can I have your number? And then that's how it started. Interesting. And then it was like, 
want you to be, you know, his manager was like, I want you to, Marty wants you to join his band Loving Mary, and this is what it is, and blah, blah, blah. And also, would you be available for Steven Tyler dates? And I was like, wow. Really? I was like, come on. And uh, that's how it happened, just by playing in a bar. Somebody great, saw great package deal. Pretty fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's awesome, Sarah. From the, cons from the current music, um, give us a drummer people should know about. Maybe someone that we don't know that's not mainstream, but that you think should be. Someone that, you, that you're just in awe of right now. God. I mean, there's so many guys in Nashville. Yeah. But I mean, like, I feel I, I'm so bad with this. Um, God, I don't know what you're not, I don't know. I, one of my favorites is Ben Cesar. He's, but he's Brad Paisley's drummer. Everybody probably knows him. Um, God, unknown. Christopher no, that's a good one. I don't think, I don't think my, uh, my, you know, my audience would know that. So that's a good one. Jared Hope is amazing. Uh, Christopher Williams is insane. He's a metal drummer, but he's got an insanely big pocket. Kevin Murphy, huge pocket rock drummer. I love him. Um, those are just four guys out of Nashville that are my buds that I highly that's awesome. love. Sarah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Let me ask you one more question. What is, you've seen so much live music growing up your whole life. What is, so this, this question ha holds weight with you. What is the best concert that you've attended, that you've been a fan And that to this day, May 2020 or June or March, whatever it is, you are like, man, wow, I remember that show. That's hard to say one. Um, <laughs> God. Just recently, <laughs> Tool blew me away. Tool blew my mind. Yeah. Radiohead was one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. And, and I would say the first Aerosmith show I saw in 1994. I was oh, 12 cool. and my friend's father took us and it was like the greatest rock and roll experience of my life, you know, seeing yeah. five original guys from 1972 on that stage. And that was like the get a grip heyday. And Steven Tyler was like a mythical creature. Sure. <laughs> like everything. And I've seen Brandy Carlisle shows in, at 400 Cedar venues. They yeah. blow me. She's Bye. special. She's very special. Yeah, sure. there's so many. And, and that's important to not, to not stop going out as a musician to see live music because it's going to continually inspire. Yeah. Um, but those would be top four shows for me. And that, it's funny to keep bringing up Aerosmith, but that show, you know, as a 12-year-old girl, yeah. it was like pretty mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, it's funny you mentioned your friend's father because I had a similar experience. A friend's father took us to see Metallica when I was yes. 13. And, like, I will always be forever grateful to that guy's father. Like, forever. <laughs> You'll always remember <laughs> looking back and seeing what their face looked like, you know? Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> oh, Sarah. Sarah, this has been super enjoyable. You are such a star. And we can't wait to see, like... I just can, I can feel your state out of this quarantine period is going to go 2021. You're going to be like a, like a fireball, a trailblazer. So, yeah, you are. And like, we look forward to seeing you on the road. Keep rocking it. Uh, and uh, to tell your husband that his band is also killing it. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Ciao. Bye, Sarah. <laughs>